This is the Eating Well podcast number two for September 22nd, 2005. Hi, this is Michelle. And this is Steve. And you can get to our website at eatingwellpodcast.blogspot.com. Or you can send us an email at eating.well at gmail.com. The intro music was Groove It by Dennis Kitchen, part of the Podsafe Music Network, available at music.podshow.com. Today you're joining us to talk about protein, or actually to hear about protein. We get a lot of interesting questions about it, and there's a lot of diets out there, both weight loss and just health maintenance overall, that focus on protein. Like uh, the Atkins diet and the South Beach diet all focus on high protein, low carbohydrate. And uh, thanks for all the questions that came in, by the way. Really appreciate that. Yeah, I just I want to just give a little bit of background on Steve and I's far as where we come from protein. Um, currently, I typically eat a primarily vegetarian diet, um, generally incorporating fish several times a week, but not beef or chicken or pork. So I come from the perspective of incorporating a lot of soy-based products. Um, been doing that for several years now. Generally speaking, I uh, try and get about uh, six or eight ounces of animal-based protein. It's usually chicken. Sometimes it's turkey. Uh, haven't ventured into ground beef, but uh, once or twice in recent history anyway. Um, but uh, it's primarily chicken, you know. And then I am also uh, regularly having a, uh, a meal supplement shake, which has a good deal of protein in it. So I'm a little bit short of... Uh, what you would normally have as a dietary protein without those shakes. Right, right. And, and I use a shake as well each day, oftentimes two, mostly two times a day, that have a good amount of protein on top of my soy and, and fish. And if you're really interested in those shakes or what they are specifically, we'll put a link in the show notes on the website. Um, I guess the first thing we need to know is what is protein and where does it come from? Yeah, and this seems like a common sense question, but not everybody always knows what protein really is and where you're getting it from in your diet. So just to give you a brief overview, it's basically built up of amino acids. There's a little over 20 amino acids overall. Most of them, I mean, most of them your body creates on its own, but there's eight what they call essential amino acids that your body actually um, needs to ingest from outside sources. So that can be from a plant-based product or um, animal-based product, but... Well, some of them are are lower quality sources than others, and really, uh, some of them, uh, your choices in them depend a lot on what you're trying to accomplish dietarily. Um, sometimes you're looking for uh, uh, just to add a protein to an otherwise balanced meal, and you don't need uh, extra calories from fat, 
Yeah, so the lower quality proteins with the amino acids that Steve's referring to are usually in cereals and breads and vegetables. How much protein is generally in something like a bread or a cereal? Couldn't be very much. Uh, yeah, I don't even really know the answer to that. I mean, typically when we're looking to add protein to our diet, we're going to head more towards meat, poultry, fish, dairy, nuts, soy, beans, etc. Um, and depending on the bread and cereal product, if it has a higher level of fiber, you're going to get a better quality of protein and, and more grams of protein overall per serving. So why do we need this protein? You said uh, our body produces some of it, but we have to consume uh, we have to consume something that has those other eight essential uh, amino acids. Right. What is it doing for us? Well, primarily the purpose of protein is to build and repair muscle tissue. Um, if you're not getting in enough carbohydrates, and we can talk about that in detail in another show, but if you're not taking in enough carbohydrates, your body will need to break down protein as an energy source. So if you're not taking in enough, your body's going to take it from its own lean muscle mass, ah. break it down, which also, by the way, is your heart. Your heart is a lean muscle. Well, generally speaking, people aren't short on protein in the United States. Not usually at all. That's very rarely the case. And so it's a case of just choosing poorly when it comes to having protein, I think, for the uh, average American. Right. And interestingly enough, um, a common question I get is, uh, if you have a primarily vegetarian diet, are you getting adequate protein? People bring up the topic of protein combining. Do you need to get from you know different sources to get a complete protein? And it's very unusual for a vegetarian, a vegan, or even someone who only eats chicken. And I know you don't only eat chicken, but um, you don't have to take in all of the amino acids to get a complete nutrition. I guess the only way to be sure is to keep track of what you're eating and... Uh you know, uh, do a little homework and make sure you're getting all of the things that you need as far as getting complete protein. Right, and that, you know, you can look into your diet at different levels. First place to start is just to minimize the consumption of red meat, you know, something that's really high in saturated fat for various reasons. If you just head towards the, the leaner meats like the chicken and the fish and the turkey, you're going to get adequate grams of protein necessary for everyday life functions and building and repairing those muscles that we were talking to or talking about excuse me but we also need proteins in general to you know monitor our hormones and our body fluids overall looks like we have our first audio question hey what's up steve and michelle this is amara from san diego i have a question about protein i'm 33 years old somewhat active and i like to play basketball in my free time my question is, how much protein should I get each day? And what are some good choices? Thanks for your help. Thank you, Amaro. It's an excellent question. So, um, how much How much do you need? How much is the appropriate amount? Uh, I think it's different for men and women, isn't it? It is, it is. In general, women need about 50 grams a day. Men need about 60 grams a day. Of course, if you're pregnant or if you're injured, um, and the older that we get, you need more per day. And, and this is just the average person. This is not a bodybuilder. This is not a high-functioning athlete. Just uh, you and me walking around. Absolutely. So probably a good idea would be to talk to your doctor, find out if there's any special conditions or anything that you might need higher protein intake, or if your doctor's ever said that they want you to in intake more 
more protein is probably because you're uh, got something else going on. Right, and it's very unusual that someone would need to consume more protein than what they're already getting, unless they're just deficient in their diet overall. So, sixty grams, you said sixty grams for uh, sixty grams a male. for men. Uh, are there preferred choices for protein? I mean, what's like the granddaddy, supreme number one choice for protein? Well, you and I were talking before the show a little about um, soy protein isolates. And so they actually take an already great protein, which is the soybean by yeah. itself, and take out the carbohydrate and refine it and get almost pure protein. You know, you, people think of steak and think yeah. protein, but there's a lot of saturated fat that comes along with that that your body's not so happy about consuming. So the benefit to having this soy isolate is there's no fat, no fat at all, right? And then so. it's tremendously lower in calories or not so? Not so. You're still going to get the calories. Um, you still have a soy-based product, which is naturally going to be higher in calories, but all good calories. And I understand that if they take the carbohydrate out, wouldn't that, wouldn't that change the caloric value of the food if they take out all those carbohydrates? Well, proteins and carbohydrates each have four kilocalories per gram. Fats have nine. So, so it's not really going to change the calorie value per unit of measure. Okay. So a couple of good sources I have listed here are about six and a half, six and a half ounce can of tuna, packed in water, of course, because you don't want those extra oil calories or uh, six to eight ounces of fish, and that uh, should give you somewhere between uh, 42 and 56 grams, so about 50 grams of protein. Great choices. Anytime you can get a fish in its whole form is a great choice. It's just once you start dabbling into the deep frying of this product, <laughs> you know, going out for some fish and chips, um, you're still getting the great protein source of, of the halibut or cod or whatever it is, but you're adding in a lot of extra fat that's unnecessary. Boy, I just can't get into fish. I can't do it. I like tuna with mayonnaise on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hear this all the time, but once people actually realize that you can get a really nice piece of white fish that doesn't smell like fish, doesn't taste so much like fish, excuse me, fish, and put your favorite seasoning on it, throw it in some pasta or some vegetables. I've had some bad experience cooking them. I mean, I've just absolutely incinerated some trout. It was bad. Uh, you know, I was in the Northwest, and I uh, had opportunity to get fresh salmon. Just wasn't going for it. But uh, I know I need to get into that. I need to give soy a better shot because a couple of times the soy wasn't agreeing with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love fish, and I'll just take a minute to quickly interject my favorite way of cooking it, and several people do it. It's very simple. Whatever fish you like, if you like, if you don't mind the fish, your taste, go for the salmon. You get the omega-3s for heart health as well. But take your fish, put it on a piece of tin foil, a little bit of, you know, I can't believe it's not butter spray or yeah. your favorite, you know, low-calorie butter spray, oregano, slices of lemon, wrap it up, put it on the grill. That's it. You know, throw it in the George Foreman or put it in tinfoil on your barbecue. How long does Done. that take? About 10, maybe 15 minutes at the most. You got to flip it over? Or? Nope. Hmm. Seal it all up. Seal in the juices. Let it steam itself pretty much on the grill. 
done. So what about eggs as a source of protein? You know, the egg council says have an egg a week or something like that. Have an egg every day or once a week, I think, is what they say. Yeah, you know, even if you want to have an egg a day, that's fine. Um, people that are concerned about cholesterol, that's a whole other issue, but it's not going to really affect it so much. But if you really want to use eggs as a great source of protein, I highly recommend egg whites or egg substitutes. So you're going you're to get great source of um, protein without the extra cholesterol and added fat. So all the bad stuff's in the yolk anyway, huh? Yep. Okay. Also, a cup of beans. Now, I've been kind of leery about having beans as a source of protein because they tend to be very high in calories compared to chicken or something else. Chicken has got to be my favorite. I mean, I mean, everybody knows a way to cook chicken. But beans, like a can of pinto beans or fresh beans, that's just a lot of calories. I've been trying to avoid doing that. Yeah, beans in general are about 200 calories per cup. Um, but the thing is, a quarter cup or a half a cup can go pretty far. Spread it up, throw it in a salad, throw it in a stir fry. Um, a cup of beans in general is about 15 grams of protein. So it's a great source. You just have to watch out for the sodium in the canned beans. Most of us are, are reaching for the already prepared beans. Well, there's some good dairy alternatives too uh, for protein. Uh but you got to be careful about what they are as far as fat because a lot of uh, the dairy ones are very fatty like cheese and so forth. Right. Typically, I wouldn't say, if you're looking at weight loss or weight management, I wouldn't look to cheese mm-hmm. to supplement your protein. That's going to be considered an extra yeah. and optional. It's the American standard uh, ingredient, though, isn't it? Just about everything I can think of uh, for the standard American diet has got some cheese on it somewhere. Well, everything's better with cheese, I have to say. That's (laughs) That's right. That's my opinion. (laughs) So um, if you're trying to stay away from the animal proteins and Mm -hmm. you want to go veggie, what are some of the best choices? I mean, there's lots of things to choose from naturally, but... We mentioned soy as as an excellent source. Yeah, and so once you start processing the soybeans, which is not all in all a bad thing, you come up with products like tofu and tempeh and soy-based chicken nuggets, soy-based veggie burgers, soy-based riblets. I mean, you name it that you like, it's available in a soy product. You know, maybe we should do a product review. Get one of these, prepare it, and see how it is. And then uh, let everyone know what we think. Well, I do that every week. I love them. <laughs> I, I really haven't ventured too far into, like, imitation chicken nuggets made out of soy. I, I got it. Mm. Yeah, we'll they're tr- delicious. I'll try it. I actually use them in the, a program I use with teenagers in my line of work. And I, I make them, let them taste them. Don't tell them what they are until they say, wow, these are pretty good. And then I'm like... These are these are tofu nuggets, and they're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> but they liked them before they knew they were tofu. That's excellent. So, a list of specific products, which we'll put up on the website, would be whitefish, salmon, unprocessed poultry. What does that mean, unprocessed? If you buy a chicken, rather than um, not to say anything bad about any particular brand, but you know, like a processed lunch meat. Ah, uh, yes. Right? right. So you can get something all chopped and formed. Ah. Uh. That's processed. And uh, as far as uh, dairies, they sneak a lot of extra stuff into dairy products like yogurt that put uh, sugar in, or you can find you can find low-fat, sugar-free yogurts. Uh, and those will be a good source of protein. Right. And a common question I get is, you know, why is there so much 
so many grams of sugar in yogurt. And sometimes people don't realize that yogurt has lactose in it and has naturally containing sugars. So it's not always the case that they're adding sugars to it, but there's just already sugars in there. And the label doesn't differentiate between naturally occurring sugar and added sugar. You can check the list of ingredients for things that are sugars. Exactly. So if you look at the label and it says, you know, high fructose corn syrup or maltose or anything that ends with os, then you know they've added sugar to it. Well, I'd like to thank uh, Kim for sending in a question from New York. She says, can you please explain or talk about keto metabolism and how low-carb diets aim to achieve it? She also asks, how long does it take the average person to convert to ketone metabolism and how does it burn fat? What kinds of foods have carbs but can be healthy and beneficial in a low-carb diet? So this is kind of a double question and I'm... I'm not an expert in ketosis, but I do have my thoughts and opinions about it. Um, basically, it's not healthy for the body to go into ketosis. And I know she's asking about keto metabolism, but I'm just going to defer the question onto ketosis. Uh, in general, it's not um, a natural function that our body prefers to have. It's actually a stage that diabetics typically fi- find themselves in and can lead into end-stage renal failure. I know renal, renal failure is a failure of the kidneys? Right. Failure yeah. of the kidneys. So, you know, there's a lot of diets on the market now that are really promoting high-protein, low-carb. And this can be good if you're, if you're looking to get rid of white bread and white pasta and plain refined sugars. Which you might want to do anyway. Yes, we but don't not, need those things. But not to achieve ketosis. Not to achieve ketosis. Right. Not necessary to function healthfully. Not recommended. Now, the ketosis or the... When you're in a state of ketosis, you are going to start losing weight if you maintain it. Typically, the reasons why people lose weight when they go into ketosis is because they're reducing their calorie intake. It's not necessarily so much about the exact being in ketosis. And if you're in a ketosis, if you're if you're trying to go for the Atkins low carb lifestyle and achieve this ketosis and you step off your your prescribed plan and you mess up and you eat a whole bag of Doritos, that's going to blow the keto the the ketosis and you'll have to reestablish it. Right. And you have to go back through stage one. And I don't even know the answer as to how long it takes to get there. It's just, it's not something we really even need to get into any further because it's not recommended. Not I actually recommended. was speaking to my friend um, recently who's a pharmacist and a, uh, a professional that I trust and I call her often for her opinions. And she, she let me know about a study she recently read that said more people are suffering from end-stage renal failure disease um, from these high-protein, low-carb diets than actual diabetic patients are. That's alarming to me. Yeah, that's that's definitely not a mainstream opinion. If you look at the common media outlets for, you know, all the promotions for low carb this and on the food packaging, this is low carb and this has zero carbs and And you know, on the whole, the low carb products are good ones for us. The reason is they're adding in whole grains or soy flour and increasing the fiber intake, which is also a whole other show. But um they're overall going to be good products. It's just not necessary to bring our body into this state. Uh, second part of her question I wanted to address because I think it's a good one is she said, well, what kinds of food have carbs but can be healthy? 
uh, and beneficial overall. So I kind of alluded to the whole grains. Those are always going to be good sources. And a lot of people don't realize your body prefers to get its energy source from carbohydrates, which are fruits and vegetables. I like my fruits and vegetables. I'm having no problem getting fruits and vegetables in. Quite a number of them every day, no problem. But some people do have a problem getting fruits and vegetables in. Yeah. So um, one of my favorites is uh, the banana. A little higher in calories, but if it's what you're willing to eat, that's the choice to make. Yes, doesn't even matter. Just eat them. Yeah. So that we mostly know that we should be getting in our five a day. We've known this since we were little, but are we doing it? <laughs> well, the generally generally speaking, I think the answer is no. I mean, a few people that uh, are in my particular situation are have someone watching over us to make sure we're getting those vegetables in. But uh, and I think I think generally speaking, the vegetables are the problem. People have this veggie phobia, if you will. You know, <laughs> that they don't want to eat them. But, you know, there's something out there you like. I also read a recent study um, that the average intake of vegetables and fruits for kids across the country, on average, is four to six per week. Ouch. And french fries don't count. No. <laughs> french fries don't count. Ketchup doesn't count. <laughs> well, there's, there's tomatoes in my ketchup. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And fresh is better or cooked is better. I guess it matters how it's cooked, yeah? Well, you know, that's just kind of getting down to the nitty-gritty of it. It does matter how you cook them, but the first step is to just get them in. Mm. Otherwise, you know, eat them raw, eat them steamed. The The reason I say it matters how you cook them because you don't want to have fried zucchini. Yeah. Right? That's, that's right. Can't, I wouldn't call that a veggie. And, and even though I said raw is good, if you're taking your carrots or broccoli and dipping it in some full-fat ranch dressing... You know, you can be doing more damage than good. But you are getting your broccoli in. Yeah. So, you know, it's up for debate. Well, there's lots of uh, protein supplements out on the market. Uh, lots of things like uh, protein 5,000 and protein bars and lots of uh, ways to get added protein into your diet. And those, are, those aren't really just for anybody that's looking for a quick pick-me-up or has had a rough day at the gym or something like that. You know, a variety of people use protein supplements. If you're trying to build muscle as a bodybuilder, if you're just the average Joe and you're wanting to put on weight, there's, like you said, the protein shakes, protein bars. Typically, we're not protein deficient and we're looking to actually just get protein and not eat meat. I can't. I just can't imagine being in a position where I'm trying to add weight and doing that through protein bars. It's just foreign to my lifestyle. (laughs) I've not been on that side of the fence. Well, the majority of the population is on a weight loss plan, not a weight gain plan. But you do see guys at the gym or, you know, younger men in general that just want to gain muscle. And so they're at the gym working out. And I was was talking to someone today about this. Um, And there's some really superior products on the market. Um, Some are good. Some are not good. Um, So who do you ask? If you're looking at a particular product and you want some more information on it, you want to know if it's a, a really good one or not so good, registered dietitian. Registered dietitian is always a good place to start. You can ask your physician. You can ask your pharmacist. Yeah. Um, you can ask someone at the gym. Usually they're going to recommend the product that they sell there. That's right. Um, and then there's something at your local market, a health food store. Ask the person behind the counter if there's something they use. A big indicator of success of use of these products is taste. 
So try them out. A lot of them are expensive. Some are not. Um, but the protein bars are really popular these days. And this can get us into trouble. It's, it's trouble because of the amount of calories in them? Yes, yeah, some are low calorie, some are high calorie, but the problem is we start to use them as meal replacements. We're eating these bars instead of eating a meal. So we're uh-huh. not getting the volume that we're looking for. And so you become hungry again and eat something else when really you've had a sufficient number of calories and so forth. Right, right. So, you know, a bar in general can be two, 300 calories, um, 10, 20, or 30 grams of protein in one bar. And then you think, oh, gosh, I'm hungry in an hour from now. What am I going to do? Have another bar. Yeah. I've had a few protein bars, and i got to say, I wasn't too impressed. It's not something I'd want to eat just as a, on a whim. I didn't think they were too fantastic tasting. Maybe I just didn't find the right one. Yeah, and you know, most of them out there that, that taste really good have some amount of protein in them, but they have a lot of added sugar and, and yeah. not a good amount of fiber, and so they're getting closer to be like candy bars, you know? Yeah. A Snickers bar has protein in it. Well, it's got peanuts. You know? <laughs> right. That's, that's right. vegetable. One product I do want to mention that I think is, is pretty high quality in this category is the Luna Bar. The Luna Bar is good. I like the Luna Bar. You know, they're made by Cliff, and they have about 180 calories each, and they use soy protein, and they're really good tasting. Most people really like the taste of them. I like the peppermint stick. Mm, I like the lemon zest. Mm. And there's uh, one uh, pecan something or other. Yeah, and there's nuts over chocolate. Lemon zest and nuts over chocolate, I have to recommend. Good stuff. Good stuff. So I'm going to bring some news items in. Haven't didn't do that in the first one, but... We'll see how it goes. Uh, Wittenberg College in Springfield, Ohio, offered a year of free pizza to the winner of a Constitution essay contest and served presidential pierogies and patriotic pasta in the cafeteria. So I called the school just last Saturday, and no one there that I spoke to knew anything about it. (laughs) And then just recently, uh, I got an email back... uh, and they said they, they didn't really give me too much information, but uh, it was uh, mandated all the schools that are receiving federal monies need to celebrate the Constitution Day in some fashion. And this is how they elected to do it, was to have a essay writing contest. Huh. Well, the reason I'm bringing it is a year of free pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we have to get our protein. Might as well get it from cheese and pepperoni. Oh, my goodness. Not- the, sheer, the sheer amount of calories we're talking about for a college student who's probably not getting all of their exercise and physical activity that they should probably be having in right. is going to be bad. Uh, we've all heard about the freshman 20 or the freshman 15. Well, a year of pizza is probably going to push that a little little higher than 15. Yeah, it used to be the freshman 5, then the freshman 15, and I can only imagine what a year's worth of pizza is going to do. I mean, a, an average slice of pizza can be anywhere from 400 to 1,000 calories per piece. Ouch. And, you know, uh, it, I was trying to get some details about what kind of pizza and how often, I mean, how much is a year of pizza? Does that mean you can have one every day, a whole pizza? Then you're really in trouble. Yeah, and coincidentally, they weren't available for comment or didn't know the answer. Right. <laughs> wonder if they were back there eating that pizza. <laughs> I'm sure the details are there, but uh, they wouldn't give them to me. Also, uh, meat and poultry producers are trying to learn about the coming nutrition labeling mandate at the Worldwide Food Expo. Members of the meat and poultry industry whose products will be covered by a soon-to-be-published mandatory nutrition labeling rule will be attending an educational workshop titled Meeting the New Nutrition Labeling Mandate for Meat 
at the Worldwide Food Expo in Chicago on October 26th. The program will focus on what to expect from new rules, how companies will achieve full compliance, and how nutrition information can be integrated into product marketing programs. And their uh, key speakers are going to be uh, the Director of Labeling and Consumer Protection Staff at the USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service and uh, Executive Director of Market Research at at a marketing company. Huh. So it looks like they're going to uh, a dual-purpose expo to learn about the new laws, how they can con- how they can comply with them, and how to roll that new information that's going to be popular in the media into part of their marketing campaign. And that's very reminiscent of the low-carb trend and some of the trans-fat information that's going into labels. I'd be really interested to hear about or learn about, excuse me, who funded this conference or who will be funding this conference and who was in charge of uh, the guest list for the for the speakers? I'm pretty sure that it's the a meat industry association, one of the meat industry um, yeah, members of the meat and poultry industry. I'll put it in the notes okay. who it was or I'll put a link to it. Yeah, the USDA tends to get itself involved in a, a lot of these type conferences and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of money behind it for him for the beef council, etc. Very large industry. So uh, just keep your eyes open for new marketing. Uh, they're going to introduce you know this meat or advertise that their meat or poultry product has, and we don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be new. So keep your eyes open. It it may be uh, very beneficial information, but new laws are being introduced in 2006 that are going to affect the way they label their products. Yeah, I know they're definitely going to start adding the trans fat on there, which is going to be quite important with more processed foods, not necessarily the meat, but it it does affect it, actually. So a lot of companies are already putting trans fat information on their products and advertising, you know, these cookies have no trans fat. Right, and they don't have to do that yet. So up until this past week, every product I've seen so far that actually lists trans fat says zero grams because they're bragging about it. That's right. However, I just found one product that said one gram of trans fats and right now I cannot think of the product we'll put it in the notes look at the notes on the website to, to see to see what that one gram product is so I just wanted to add kind of a final thought regarding protein in general when we stick to a healthy diet we want to choose fish turkey chicken lean ham and try to minimize and I know People aren't always going to eliminate red meat um, and dairy so much, but look for the low-fat or non-fat options. And um, moderation. Moderation is key in the diet overall, but especially with protein. Portion control. Absolutely. And it's not something you need to start looking to add to. Maybe you want to modify some of your protein choices to make some better ones. Make some substitutions. Maybe have three ounces instead of nine. (laughs) Yeah. And if you're like me, explore fish a little bit. Good rule of thumb, my favorite thing to throw out there is a deck of cards, three ounces. Anytime you're going to sit down to have a meal, three ounces is typically adequate. And we always advocate keeping track of what you're eating so that you know you have some better idea. Yep, be accountable, keep some records. Thanks. Thanks for the questions. We'll see you next time. Be well. like to send us a question 
about this show or any other topic you'd like covered, you can record yourself in MP3 format and email it to eating.well at gmail.com. Of course, we accept regular text emails as well. Tune in next time when we'll cover dietary fat, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You can subscribe to this podcast at the iTunes Music Store on Odeo.com or the Yahoo My Music Service. The website for the podcast is eatingwellpodcast, all one word, dot blogspot.com. Closing song is Up and Go by Rory, provided by the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Check it out. Hosting is graciously provided by Risen.net, part of blipmedia.org. And thanks to the good folks at FeedBurner, in particular Chris, thanks for your help. You helped us resolve a, a little issue we were having with the podcast. It went away for a little bit, but it's back. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris.